This is the Painless Health Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Avi. Living painlessly and in good health is our goal. We are here to help you get there. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Now let's have some fun and let's get painless. Hello and welcome to the Physiatry Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Avi Nandram Today's topic is depression. I'm so glad I get to talk about this and try to help people with depression. In any case, we've been through a lot this last year with the pandemic, and I figured this was a good time to talk about depression because a lot of people have been going through it. If you have any questions, comments, or you want to send me an email, show at gmail.com is the email address. You can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Facebook is Physiatry Podcast. LinkedIn is Physiatry Show. Thank you so much. Again, welcome to the Physiatry Podcast. So how many people are really depressed? Well, the WHO, or World Health Organization, puts the number of people who are depressed in the world at 350 million. That is a heck of a lot. That is the population of the United States, plus or minus. This number only represents the people that are actually diagnosed. There are many people that are depressed that are silently depressed or choose not to talk about depression because they're embarrassed, they feel shamed, or pride might take that number to jump much more than that. Maybe the person that's depressed doesn't even know that they're depressed, which makes silent depression even more dangerous. However, some people simply don't know how to express themselves. There are many ways to help people and to help people know that they're actually silently depressed. So when you see people's body language change, when they're doing things that are different, you think, oh, okay, maybe they're doing something different to help themselves out. Or maybe they're depressed. So let's talk about this before I get into depression and really the nitty gritty of depression and the why things happen. Let's just talk about how to identify depression. So many people are depressed, but one of the things that you can see when you know someone for a long time and they haven't, they've been normal and then suddenly something changes. So one of the things that may change is that they withdraw from their activities, from work or school or withdraw from other things. You have to see that. If, they, if you see that they have no activity, they're not doing the same stuff at, at work or school, it may be that because they're depressed. It could be something else as well, but that is a possibility. The other thing that could happen is that they may have no energy. This is not a surprise. Many people have no energy because they're depressed or maybe they have something else wrong with them. This is something to look into. If they start eating too much or too little, it could be a sign of depression. Yes, people can actually stop eating for depression. I know they talk about when you're depressed, you eat a lot or you eat ice cream or whatever you may eat to make you feel comfortable. This is also the case where some people just don't like to eat. Some people may have trouble sleeping. Now, this is a case for a lot of my patients in clinic that they have a lot of trouble sleeping. And they could have trouble sleeping not only because of depression, they could have trouble sleeping because of other things as well. If someone you know complains of sleep problems on a regular basis, they may be actually depressed. 
Substance abuse is very common with depression, anxiety, and other mental disorders. It's very important to realize that people that are drinking a lot or maybe smoking more or using some other substance may be doing that not because they actually have a disorder because of the substance. Well, that may be a separate issue and a separate topic for this podcast. But the substance may actually be their crux because they're depressed. There are many people that may actually fake their emotions. They may actually be overly happy or give vague answers about how their life is going. They may only engage in a shallow conversation because they want to avoid their depression. They actually want to get out of their little body and their little circle and actually do something else and fake their emotions. I've actually had patients in clinic do this where I've had a patient that actually thinks or talks to me like they're faking it and they tell me, I'm sorry, sir, I was faking myself and then, you know, I actually was quite depressed and I did something bad. And I've had this happen where someone has actually done something bad after being depressed and faked me out completely. So even us physicians are not completely immune to this. Some people actually work too much and they become a workaholic. This is actually a way to cover up their emotions. I've seen this in many, many, many people and many people that are definitely depressed. So that's something to think about. And these are different ways to think about how people can be depressed and not actually show you that they're depressed. So if you see changes in people, that may be something to look at. So if you or one of your friends or someone else is depressed, please go see your primary care doctor or your psychiatrist or whatever it may be, because it's really important to do that to take care of your depression. I am, of course, a physician, but I am not your physician. So what I'm telling you right now is all advice and not actually physician's advice. Please go see your primary care doctor. Please go see your physician. Please go talk to them and make sure you are open and honest because us physicians, what we're trying to do is trying to help you. Even if you are on a substance, if you're on weed, crack, whatever it may be, you need to tell your physician because they're not going they are actually they actually have to keep that information private. So if you tell them, hey, I don't want this shared with anybody, not even my spouse, not even my child, not even my mother, they will not have to do that unless of course you are a child. But still, it is very important to the physician for telling for getting that information and in order to make you better from whatever condition it may be. So in any case, let's talk more about depression now. It is actually the most common psychiatric disorder, of course, and it's the most common mental health condition in patients seen in primary care. Now, one of the biggest things is that in the absence of screening, it is estimated that only 50% of patients with major depression are identified. So without actual screening tools that are given to physicians, only 50% of patients are actually identified that have major depression. Depression has a huge economic impact on the United States economy, billions of dollars. We don't know exactly, but definitely billions of dollars. It decreases people's chance of living by about, or it increases their mortality by 1.52 every year, which is a huge increase. It's a 50% increase in death for people with depression compared to their normal population, age-adjusted, etc. 
So depression is a big deal. It has a negative impact on patients, employers, spouses, and children, and can actually detract 20 to 40% from quality adjusted life year. So it is horrible for anybody that is living with depression if they are not treated. So that's why systematic treat, uh, screening is very important. And a lot of primary care doctors do this. Now, many, many of the things that happen with depression include depressed mood, loss of interest. We talked about these things. Ins insomnia or hypersomnia. People can also sleep too much, change in appetite or weight, psychomotor retardation, which means that they work slower. They look like they're moving slower. They have low energy, poor concentration, thoughts of worthlessness or guilt. They may have recurrent thoughts of death or suicide. It is very, very important to talk to people about all these different things. So how prevalent is depression normally? In the United States, it is prevalent, uh, lifetime prevalence of about 17%. In Japan, it could be 3%. Many of the countries are between 8 and 12%. So the United States is definitely higher than some of the other countries in the world. We don't know why, but that is the case. In any case, there is also a prevalence rate and lifetime rate of 10% prevalence rate and lifetime rate of 21% of major depressive disorder co and comorbid alcohol alcoholism. So very, very interesting. There's also patients like many of my patients with a chronic medical illness that have an annual prevalence rate of 25% of depression. And it may also be higher in diseases with the central nervous system like stroke, traumatic brain injury, Parkinson's disease, Many cardiovascular disorders, cancer, of course, and conditions involving the immune and inflammatory mechanisms like lupus. If you can imagine, that is many of the patients that I treat in clinic because many of these patients that we just talked about have chronic pain. So there is a lot of comorbidity between chronic pain and depression. Now, I've talked about depression as its one single disorder, when technically... Their depression is sort of multitude of disorders. So not to get it too complicated, but the most common type of depression is major depressive disorder, also known as unipolar major depression. And this is something that happens with a lot of people that are just depressed. And it, it happens, you know, one way but where people are just depressed. They don't get, they don't actually have this bipolar syndrome where they actually get manic on the other side. That is something else where someone actually becomes manic, where they're actually very hyperactive and the opposite of depression. And then they have episodes of depression, which is, that's called bipolar syndrome. And we've heard of people being bipolar. The technical definition of bipolar is when they can be really depressed or they can be really hyperactive and happy all the time. People with bipolar tend to have times where they sleep for 48 hours straight and then are up for 48 hours straight. So... That is a completely different disorder than just major depressive disorder. But depression is part of bipolar syndrome. There's also what's called dysthymia, which is a persistent depressive disorder. It is not as bad as a major depressive disorder. This is patients where they're slightly depressed or significantly depressed, but not a major depressive disorder where they have recurrent thoughts of death or suicide. And this can be a lot of people that are actually depressed but they don't really tell you about it or they don't really say anything about it because it's not major. It's not that bad. It is a part of their life, but it's not 
a major part of their life, if that makes sense. All right, so there's also what we call cyclothymic disorder, which is where people have depression and they have mania, but not quite bipolar syndrome where they're not so hyperactive, like they're manic, manic, and they're not so depressed where they're, you know, in this major depression area. They're kind of a little bit up and a little bit down. And that may be how we most of us feel most of the time where we're either slightly hyper or slightly depressed. And that can be depending on the weather. That can be depending on what's going on in our lives. That can be depending on the pandemic. So there are these other little things that may be qualified as a depressive syndrome or depressive disorder. And it can be very, very confusing. Now, I've only covered a few things. There can be depression due to a syndrome or depression due to a condition or depression. So anyway, depression is huge. The key thing for people to realize is depression is widely out there. I mean, many people have depression and how to find people that have depression, how to help them. And the way to help them really is to tell them to go talk to their doctor. And if they won't go talk to their doctor, you talk to them and convince them to go see their doctor because there are ways we can help. Finally, I just wanted to talk about why depression happens. And depression is a very weird disease that it is definitely familial in the sense that there is very solid and consistent evidence that major depressive disease is a familial disorder. And this is due to genetic factors. What genetic factors? I can't tell you because we don't know. Now, genetic factors are only 30 to 40% of this. Uh, Understand that, that it's not 100% of depression is due to genetic disorders. No, it's about 30 to 40%. Non-genetic disorders are actually 60 to 70%. So that is why depression can be so variable, just depending on what's going on in life. And... Even though that that's the case, there are certain types of depression and certain types of things that I talked about that may affect things. Now, one of the things that is definitely part of depression is serotonin. So what does serotonin have to do with depression? So serotonin works with depression, but we have medications that actually help with increasing serotonin in our body. And these are called SSRIs or selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And what that is, is that these medicines increase the amount of serotonin in our neurons or the nerve cells in our body by decreasing the amount of serotonin that's being reuptaken into the cells and broken down. So we actually increase the amount of serotonin by decreasing the amount of reuptake and killing of the serotonin. And the use of serotonin in everybody's neurobiological body is different and this may be the genetic factor of depression because we found that a lot of people with depression have had many of the things that have been in common as stress and the amount of stress that they have because of school because of other things in their life or what type of stressful situations they've gone through like childhood sexual abuse other trauma social support marital problems, divorce, all these things can affect the amount of depression that people have. And people react to different stress differently. So males and females can be different as far as how they react to stress. Men tend to sort of have depression where they have 
when, following divorce or separation or work difficulties, whereas women are more sensitive to events in their proximal social networks, such as difficulty getting along with an individual, serious illness, or death. Men tend to react better to serious illness or death, while women tend to react better to things like divorce or separation or work difficulties. So it really just depends on a bunch of different things and how people react to different things. That is how people are different and how depression can be so different in different people. The other things that can happen are the different types of hormones. So we have corticotropin releasing hormone. This is actually a stress hormone or cortisol, as many people have heard. This can change and this can actually change because of the amount of depression they have, amount of stress that someone has, and can actually change the way people react to things. And some of these things really do change the amount of people that are depressed. All right, so now we've talked about serotonin, we've talked about cortisol. There are other types of hormones that actually affect depression quite a bit. And one of the other hormones is what, what we call norepinephrine, the fight, flight or flight hormone. Norepinephrine is one of the two. The other thing can be dopamine. Dopamine reuptake inhibitors like they actually help, can help with depression as well. But dopamine can be shot up because of people that actually have things that make them happy, like having sex or when they are using a substance or when they eat chocolate or many different things can increase your dopamine and can decrease the amount of depression. That may be why people with depression eat more or have some sort of addiction to a substance or have some sort of addiction to sex or something like that. So you can think about it that all these things that are decreased, our body tries to increase it by doing something and try to get rid of it. So that's how people react to depression. I hope that makes sense. All right, so in summary, what I told you about depression. One is that it is hard to find out whether someone is depressed unless if you go digging. So many of the things that we know as physicians and we can find people that are depressed are not based on just the way we look at someone and talk to someone. It's because of different things that we do, including screening tools. So that's very important. If you see someone that has changed their behavior or doing something weird, Try to find out whether they're depressed, and that may be difficult to do, and you may have to send them to a physician for that. The other things, okay, there are hormones that are involved with depression, including norepinephrine, epinephrine, serotonin, dopamine. These are important hormones, and they are involved in everyday life. In simple things like even eating a piece of chocolate may increase the amount of dopamine that you have in your body, and that may affect the way people are and the way they are depressed. Depression is also associated with a genetic factor that we don't quite fully understand as many di genetic disorders are. We don't really know that 100%. There's no specific major depressive disorder or major specific gene that is there. Now, the other thing that I did talk about is that depression is not isolated to one condition. It is a plethora of conditions and there are many things that can cause depression. So, again, thank you for listening to the Physiatry Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Abhinash Ramchandani. I hope you found this episode to be helpful. If you have any questions, again, please send me an email. If you are depressed, please call your primary care doctor or please call the SAMHSA hotline. And 
that hotline is listed in the notes below. It is also 1-800-662-HELP, also at 4357. Again, 1-800-662-4357, that is the Depression Hotline, or the SAMHSA National Hotline. This is a treatment referral site and also helps with people that have depression. Remember, you can also call 1-800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, and this can help if you know someone that is trying to commit suicide or you are depressed or suicidal, call this number and this can help you. And they will help you out and help you get help. So before I sign off, I just wanted to tell you something that I do if I feel down or depressed or something like that. Now I know this won't help everybody, but this helps me and whatever it means, it may help some other people. So if I feel down or depressed, I usually go watch a sitcom of some sort that I enjoy. So one of the sitcoms I enjoy is Friends. It's a sitcom I watched right before I took my last exam in med school because, guess what? I had to pass the exam because I had to get my MD degree. So that's how I passed my exam because I was so stressed out before it. I actually watched it, started laughing, and then went in and did well. So it's always important to do something like that to change your mood. If you're feeling depressed, if you feel like you can't do anything, remember that there's always worse out there. And what, what you're going through right now, there's probably a million other people going through it at the same time. There are things that are going to be better and life is going to get better soon. By doing something to yourself, it's not going to help you. So remember, if you are depressed, again, call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or go watch a sitcom and maybe it'll make you laugh. Thank you and have a good day. This is your host, Jeremy National Thank you for listening to the Painless Health Podcast. I hope the information that has been given to you has been useful. Of course, I am a physician, but not yours. So please go see your physician for medical advice and further information about any of the topics you've heard today. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.